So many things have ruined my childhood So I go on like to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh-huh, uh-huh. Predators, uh-huh. Marvel, uh-huh. DC, uh-huh. Maybe it doesn't all quite fit Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks Could it be I've misunderstood This podcast ruined my childhood Hello everyone and welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil Durasmo and with me is Eric Walensky. Hey folks, podcast. Why did it have to be a podcast? That's right, everybody. This week, we're tackling the Indiana Jones Quadrology. Yeah, you heard me right. Quadrology. (laughs) Quadrology. Many of you would like to only remember it as a trilogy, as I like to remember it. But there was a fourth film, and we're going to get right into that fourth film and, and, of course, the three that preceded it right away. So, Eric, let's, let's talk about Indiana Jones and how we were introduced to this iconic fedora-wearing character. Well, gosh, I did not see Raiders or Temple of Doom uh, fresh out of the box. I, I saw both of those on probably HBO, um, maybe NBC Movie of the Week, maybe even for Raiders. Um, but, uh, but I did not see either of those. Indiana Jones, I was a little young yet. I don't think my parents wanted to take me to that. And then, of course, Temple of Doom had the uh, big bric-a-brac about being so violent and everything, which, of course, spawned the PG-13 rating. You know that little trivia, right? Of course, everybody knows that one. We'll get into (laughs) some deeper ones later. But since I'm mentioning it, though, which movie was the first movie to actually get the PG-13 rating in theaters? Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Yeah, huh. some trivia for interesting. you. Interesting. That's interesting. We'll we'll probably get to Red Dawn on this podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, that'd be a fun one. So anyway, yeah. Uh, so I didn't see either of them uh, fresh out of the box uh, in theaters, but then uh, I did see Last Crusade, and uh, and I was I was already in love with Indiana Jones by that point. I had seen them on television, and I loved Last Crusade. I don't know if it's my favorite. It definitely bounces between my mood between that and Raiders. And I have seen Raiders on the big screen since, but I have not seen Temple of Doom on the big screen. Did you see Temple of Doom on the big screen? I haven't, no. I mean, when Temple of Doom came out, I was three. When Raiders of the Lost Ark came out, depending on when it came out in 1981, I was either not born or... Oh, it came out on June 12th of 1981. So I was uh, 14, 15 days old. Nice. Yep. Yep. And you remember so seeing Raiders. Yeah, I remember seeing Raiders at 15 <laughs> days old. <laughs> now, I will say, I don't know that I've seen any of them on the big screen. Last Crusade came out in 89, and I was 8 years old, and I'm pretty sure my parents didn't take me to a PG-13 movie at, at age 8. Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade are just ingrained in my memory from the early 90s, 
because those are the movies that I saw and my parents wouldn't let me watch Temple of Doom. They thought it was too scary or too creepy, you know, like what everybody says. Mm -hmm. And I had to see Temple of Doom, much like many movies, when I was younger at a friend's house at a sleepover. And I, I vaguely remember watching Temple of Doom with like one or two of my friends at a sleepover one night. That was probably, you know, 93, 94, somewhere around that time. And I know I had seen Last Crusade and Rages of the Lost Ark before Temple of Doom. See, this is interesting, because I think this is where our age is really going to play a bigger difference in in our experience with these films uh, a little bit more than other franchises. Because even Star Wars, going back to the 70s, I think because it was a little more kid-friendly, a little more fun... Um, I think I think we probably both still had a similar experience with that, but but mm -hmm. Indiana Jones with its darker themes, you know, and you didn't see them until you saw them at a friend's house, and I didn't see them originally because they were darker, but but I wonder if that five years will play a little bit of a difference in the way we ultimately perceived uh, Indiana Jones. Probably, I think so. But you know, going to through the rest of the franchise, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out. 19 years after Last Crusade uh, in 2008 and they really stuck to their Memorial Day timeline for these movies. The first was in June and then Temple of Doom was on May 23rd, 84. Last Crusade was May 24th, 89 and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out May 22nd of 2008. So they stuck right around those the early you know, 20 days in May for those mm -hmm. films and they were really banking on Memorial Day money, which Spoiler alert, they made. <laughs> so even to this point, you, you haven't caught any of the Indiana Jones movies on the big screen in like a no. you know flashback cinema? No, really? Wow. No, I wish I had. I do remember seeing that Raiders of the Lost Ark had played at a theater in Florida when I lived there. And I just like I'm, I found out the day it was happening and I couldn't make it that night or I was working I or something. I tell you what, when you get the opportunity, you need to see Raiders on the big screen. Um, I've seen it on the big screen twice and there's just something about that movie that even more than last crusade, which I've seen on the big screen a couple times, it's, it's just amazing that big. And, and you get to see the, you get to see the, the German eat the fly in, in giant screen. You know what I'm talking about with that one? Yeah, I sure do. Yeah. 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 Huh. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't miss it. On a television, you might have to rewind it a couple times. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Raiders of the Lost Ark, when Indy is threatening to blow up the Ark, Belloc is talking and he opens his mouth and there's a fly buzzing around his mouth and whoop, it goes right in. And and you miss it on the small screen unless somebody points it out. But on the big screen, oh, there it goes. He just swallowed the fly. Well, the, the, <laughs> thing, the thing about it, I think, is that you miss it on... The old VHS, like I used to watch this on, or on old TV that I used to watch this on. But I will say that I've seen it every single time. And maybe it's because I know and I'm looking for it. But every single time that I've watched it in HD on, you know, one of my HD TVs, sure. I know it's coming. So I know to see it. And I always kind of giggle at it. I think part of it is knowing it's coming because I must yeah. have watched Raiders forever. And, and I would agree. You're right. It's probably the digital version is a lot crisper rather than the old VHS, you might not notice it. But once I've seen it, now I can't unsee it. It doesn't matter how big the, the screen is, but it's it's really cool to watch him eat a fly on the silver screen. Yeah. So, you know, it's great that you've had that experience of seeing Raiders and Last Crusade on the on the big screen. And it is 
horrible for me to say that the only Indiana Jones movie that I've seen on the big screen <laughs> is Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> yeah, you got to get that taste out of your mouth, man. <laughs> well, can. we'll see what happens in 2022 when the untitled fifth film comes out. Ooh, yeah, they'll be releasing them. You, you, you probably go see an indie triple feature or a quad feature, depending on probably. how generous I, the theater's feeling. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably sell it as a quad feature, but I'll only see the triple feature. And then I'll go and take a nap and then come back and watch the fifth film. You won't even stay for the beginning. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it in a little bit. So <laughs> let's talk about your memories of the, the characters, because some of the most iconic and best characters that have ever graced the silver screen were in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Temple of Doom even has two or three really, really memorable characters with some really memorable lines. And Last Crusade, I mean, Sean Connery mm-hmm. is just... He he. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tip my hand here. I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark and then Last Crusade, probably pretty close to back to back. I'm not gonna say I saw them like within the same day or even within the same week, mm-hmm. but it was within the same timeline. You know, early '90s. It probably was out on VHS in 1990. I probably saw them both in '91 or '92. So ten years after Raiders came out, and I loved. The Last Crusade. And maybe it was just the whole familial aspect of the dad that doesn't get along with the son and how they have to work together and come together, but they're always bickering together. And the love that you see by the end of the movie, I just, something about that really set the movie apart. And I wound up liking Last Crusade more than Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I will say the other piece of it is that we saw the flashback to Indy as a child. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty big for me because right after I saw these movies, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles came out. Yeah. And yeah. I remember my parents, I'm, I'm pretty sure my parents let me watch them because they wanted to watch the young Indiana Jones Chronicles with me. And so I'm, that's probably why I saw one and three and then went right into young Indiana Jones. So I had this connection with young Indy at the beginning of, Last Crusade, and then right into these awesome adventures that we saw of young Indiana Jones, Sean Patrick Flannery, who was one mm-hmm. of the two young Indiana Joneses. I loved, and, and I know we're not talking about young Indy Chronicles. We can do that on a whole other podcast if we want to, because there's so much to pull from. But I loved that they showed us two time periods of that, of him being really young, yes, like an early teenager, and then being, you know, 18, 17. Um, right. I thought it was it was great to see the progression because it would go back and forth too. You know, one episode you never knew what indie you were going to get in each episode right. because there wasn't the internet, so you couldn't right. like you know do a, a preview of the episode. It just was what was what you were going to get, and I was just always excited to see which indie I was going to get. Mm-hmm. But, I'll, I'll admit yeah. I was always a little disappointed when we got the younger one. See and. There's the difference between our age because I was excited that there was an indie on screen that was about my age. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was totally I was 12. I was, what, 11, 12 when Young Indie Chronicles came out and the Young Indiana Jones was 11, 12. So. Right. And I was closer yeah. to the older one and I was more yeah. intrigued in what he was doing. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Honestly, I don't think I even knew there was a Temple of Doom until a couple years later when a friend was like, you haven't seen Temple of Doom? And then, of course, you know, that movie came on and it sits 
in the ranking we'll talk about later, but I, I do think I like Last Crusade more than Raiders, even though Raiders has probably more iconography, mm-hmm. if that's the right word. I don't know if it is or not, but we're going to go <laughs> with it. Boy, like I said at the beginning, it depends on my mood. I flip-flop between those two being my favorite because uh, they're very much an extension of themselves, not just that you know, you're also dealing with Nazis in both of them, but the flavor and the fun. It's it's that same kind of uh, well, I also think, though, Raiders has a little bit more of a serious, more actiony overtone. The comedy is there, but it's it's a lighter comedy, whereas uh, they really, you know, went for a few more uh, chuckles and uh, right. kind of winks and nods in Last Crusade. But but definitely Temple of Doom and even Spielberg um, admits that there's nothing of him in Temple of Doom. When he made the movie, I think I, I've read a couple articles uh, over the years about it. And what he was going for was while Indiana Jones was supposed to be like that serialized, you know, Sunday afternoon, you know, will the hero survive kind of thing. They went more with like a B movie kind of cliffhanger feel with Temple of Doom, you know, the kind of grossness for gross sake kind of right. when you put that in your head that you're really watching a professionally made B movie. Temple of Doom actually shines in that respect. Uh, yeah, from- you know, I'd probably I'd have to watch it with that in at the forefront of my mind. And I bet you I'll like it a lot more. I, I And that's what happened to me, because over the years, it's like Temple of Doom. Eh, it's all right. There's a couple parts I like, but overall, it's kind of dull in the middle and and then it just gets very dark but but then when i i read that article about it being a well-made b movie i was like yes i i see that now i see like the subtleties in the way characters deliver lines in the way uh situations are kind of set up and and it 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 does take on a different feel when you just go in with a, a B movie state of mind for for Temple of Doom. But I, I want to go watch Temple of Doom right now, thinking of it as a B movie. Like I'm excited to go watch it right now and see them jump out of the plane with the <laughs> the rap and just think about it like a B movie with amazing actors. Yes, and I and I love it. So it's it's found a new uh, you know it's been rejuvenated in my opinion of it now. And uh, it's still probably not going to ever crack into the, you know, number one spot or number two. It'll always be the third one. But right. But but it's good. It's good in that respect. And I've always loved the beginning. Oh, the, yeah. The, the the whole Club Obi-Wan setup was mm-hmm. awesome. And I, <laughs> so oh, my gosh. That's one of the coolest. You get this whole other part of Indiana Jones. You see this like like in the in Raiders, he's almost a champion of artifacts and such. He doesn't seem to me to be like a, a mercenary, you know, an archeological mercenary. Right. Uh, He, he does things, you know, for the, for the museum and, and, and for the school and for his own pursuit of archaeology but then you get the beginning of temple of doom and he's like yeah i found this guy's ashes and you're gonna pay me a diamond for it you know the whole thing about indiana jones is he's chasing his fortune and glory which 
I like it, but it's a very much complete contrast to the Indiana Jones we met in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. And the thing that I always found really interesting is that it was a prequel. You know, it was a right. prequel before prequels were cool. A little bit of trivia. The same actor played both the German mechanic and the thuggy guard. That's the same <laughs> actor. That's amazing. Yep. He's also very, very briefly in uh, Last Crusade, but they don't actually fight. He plays a, a big German guy. What a missed opportunity. Yeah. Gosh, we, we've kind of jumped onto Temple of Doom, but I, I don't want to walk away from it without talking about Short Round because he's one of the best characters we've gotten in any Indiana Jones movie, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, he, he was up to the task. Yeah, very fun. Um, and, uh, he actually wasn't, he didn't even intentionally audition for the role. His older brother was auditioning and he was just there at the audition and he kept giving his older brother pointers and Kathleen Kennedy noticed that and was like, Hey, why don't we have you audition? And he actually did his audition with Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford. Wow. Yep, he. I, I see right here in the Wikipedia notes, he and Harrison Ford improved a scene where Short Round accuses Indy of cheating during a card game. Which which made it to the uh, the mm -hmm. film. But mm -hmm. obviously they probably scripted a little bit more. And But sure. it's, it would be funny if they just had them improv it again. Because now with that in mind, that that was an improv scene, I, that kind of felt like while... while Willie Scott's running around in the background. I can just see Spielberg going like, you guys just argue because nobody's really listening to you guys. They're watching her. Right. Although every time that scene happens, I'm watching them. Yeah, because <laughs> it is so good. <laughs> yeah. I, if an 11-year-old can hold their own with Harrison Ford on the screen, like props to them. That kid, yes. he had the comedic timing of, of Harrison Ford. Like the two of them worked so well together in this type of movie. Mm -hmm. I thought I thought they were great together. And I wished we had gotten more short round in later films. I'm very small. You cheat very big. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go backwards in time to Raiders, although it's forward in time in the movies, because it happens a year, two years, one year, one year after Temple of Doom takes place in 1935. Raiders of the Lost Ark takes place in 1936. And then Last Crusade takes place in 1938. It is interesting that there's only two years of time have passed when eight years of time pass in real life for the right. movies. And then, you know, the one thing I will say about what they did with Crystal Skull is they did make it a 19-year difference, and it was 19 years between the two movies. So at least they stayed true to, to that. It was 1938 in the third film in Last Crusade, and it was 1957 in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Right. So, Eric, as we've just talked about the timeline, the 19-year difference between the two, which is a true 19-year difference in the making of the films, earlier you said something about, I should just watch the opening sequence. So what is it about the opening sequence of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that you think would warrant a watch? <laughs> is, it, is it him um, blowing through the... the, the government warehouse that we've all wanted to see for years and now they've just destroyed it or is it the fact that he went into a refrigerator that's lead lined and somehow survived a 20 mile 
moonshot from this uh, test site into the desert and, and comes out unscathed? Phil, you ask a lot of great questions. <laughs> and I and I might have an answer for you. Um, so this is the first glimpse of Indiana Jones in 19 years. And I was excited for this. I couldn't wait. I'd seen the previews. They looked a little dodgy, but uh, there were enough like cool Indiana Jones parts that I was like, okay, they, they can make this work. They have to make this work. They wouldn't even be bothering if they couldn't make this work. I only watched this movie ever exactly one time, and that was when I watched it in the theater. <laughs> and then since then, never again. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did they screw this up? And then that made me nervous for for the Star Wars movies because I was like, gosh, Harrison Ford had such trouble pulling <laughs> off Indiana Jones. What's he going to do with Han Solo? But not to get too far on a tangent, but I say he Lucky. pulled off Han Lucky. Solo. Yeah, he, he pulled it yeah. off. Yeah, he pulled off Han Solo. But for some reason, he just, I don't know, why couldn't he make Indiana Jones work? So he gets out of the car, right? The, the hat goes rolling. And I was like, mm -hmm. all right, this is going to be cool. This is going to be cool. And he gets out, puts the hat on. We get that nice silhouette of him on the car. And then, you know, right away, he gets a buddy <laughs> and I hated his buddy from as soon as he opened his mouth and called him Jonesy. Yep. No, <laughs> you call him Dr. Jones. <laughs> Jonesy. No, no. One more time. No, <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. But I did like the line, you know, oh, this isn't going to be easy. Not as easy as it used to be. It's like, all right, we're acknowledging he's a little older. That's fine. We can move on now. We don't have to do a whole bunch of old Indiana Jones jokes. Let's just keep going. And then we meet the villain from Die Hard 3. And I was like, what is she <laughs> doing in this movie? And and then it does. It just kind of gets off the rails there. Um from that point for me it's like okay so this is the 50s red scare so the russians you know we're done with nazis although if i was going to rewrite this we could have had indiana jones plunking around in south america chasing after all the nazis that escaped who are looking for something to bring back you know the fourth reich or whatever but we'll save my rewrite for later right <laughs> <laughs> so then it all seems kind of neat to me um the big doors open up. So we're in area 51. We're in an early area 51. I think that's pretty clear, right? Yep. Or, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Clear. And, uh, and this is going to have something to do with aliens. So it's like, okay, you know, Indiana Jones is no stranger to the supernatural. So this isn't so far fetched. It just gets overly plotty. That's, that's, you know, for, for, a a movie that should have been a slam dunk, it it just gets too confusing. Indy, it's way convoluted. Yeah, Indy whips around. So I'm sorry, I'm not answering your question. Why do you watch the beginning scene? Because that is the only part of it where I really feel like you're watching Indiana Jones. 
you're watching a little bit of a different one. The same way you have to get in the mindset of Temple of Doom. This one, you got to get in the mindset of, I don't know what kind of film genre exactly, except bad. But... (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a a sci-fi action movie. And Indiana Jones has no right being sci-fi. Yeah. He's he's more fantasy than sci-fi. And they try to push him into an area and a genre that his character isn't comfortable in. I would agree. Yes, that's exactly right. I was I was willing to accept the Indiana Jones and Aliens premise, uh, but it just you're right. It it just didn't work. But but why watch that scene? Because it is kind of cool. Because you do get the triumphant music. You you hear it again. It's it's essentially like you wish the movie was only seven minutes long of Indy <laughs> nesting some Russians in a big warehouse. And Hey, the Ark showed up for a minute. <laughs> Say hi, Ark. <laughs> Hello. Don't you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wouldn't recommend anybody just watch it just for that scene. But in my rewatch of it, I actually found myself saying, you know what? This, this part isn't as bad as I originally thought about it. It, it it had a little bit to it, but then the rest of the movie is is exactly as bad as I remember. And 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 I just, I just want to keep ripping on the movie. I'm going to try and articulate some points here, but the other Indiana Jones movies had a grand scope to them. They did not feel like they were filmed all on a back lot, which is what ever or or a soundstage rather, and that's what every single scene in Crystal Skull felt like to me. Mm-hmm. Would well, they agree? used CGI. Yeah, they they overly relied on CGI. CGI. They they made sure that everybody that came to see this movie knew that George Lucas knows George Lucas owns a company that knows how to make CGI and knows how to make it well. The problem is, it's not made well. None of it is made well. It no. all looks like it needed another render or five more years before the technology would get where they probably really wanted it. You hit it right on the head. And this is what I thought. And this is, I think this was Crystal Skull's biggest failure is just the era that it was made in. I think it would have been a 100% better movie if it was made four years later because the technology would have been a lot better better and you think well geez this is 2008 already how good's it gonna get they were still toying with concepts that you know i think they were fresh on the heels of revenge of the sis kind of stuff that also did not look very real and super cartoony and right and they were they were before these amazing marvel movies were getting which are nearly all cgi but look real Mm -hmm. they look believable and man, I think I think Crystal Skull's biggest problem was it was made just a little bit uh, well, it could, either too late or too early, because I think it was made before the better special effects and CGI. And I think if it even would have been made closer to 2000, even they wouldn't have been so ambitious, and they would have used more real practical sets like they used in the other Indiana Jones movies. And I think that would have helped shape what they could do. And rather than having Shia LaBeouf swing with the monkeys, 
you know, they they might have just nixed that because it would have been like, geez, this looks like a bad video game. And they would have been like, yes, we agree. Yep. <laughs> we need to rewrite. So an article that, um, you know, Screen Rant, whether or not people like it or think that it's clickbaity, every once in a while, Screen Rant has a good article out there. And one of their articles about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull hits exactly what I would want to say about the CGI. When it comes to effects, there are some filmmakers that tend to use a sledgehammer when a chisel would have sufficed. Mm. Unfortunately, Crystal Skull suffers from the sledgehammer approach. Yep. The human eye is great at detecting fakery, and Indy 4 is lousy with it. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that's it right there. And, you know, we keep making, we keep saying to each other in these episodes, and even in this one, we've said it twice. We hit the nail on the head. Well, we just hit it with a sledgehammer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and that's, See, CGI, and if I haven't said it yet in any of our podcasts, um, CGI should enhance a story, not be the story. Right. And that's that's what happened here. And that's, that's, like I said, and then when they actually were still on a real set, like that whole scene where they go to the grave and the, you know, that, that felt to me like somebody built that in their backyard. Right, like the lightning strike that happens right before they walk out there. I don't know if that was supposed to be reminiscent of the lightning strike in Raiders of the Lost Ark, because there were certain things in this movie that I saw that made me think, was that kind of a callback to that? And mm-hmm. or, or are they just trying to give subtle nods to remind you that there are three better Indiana Jones movies out there? <laughs> that's exactly what George Lucas was doing when he wrote the script. Let me remind you of all the things that I did better when I was younger. Yeah. Well, screenplay by George Lucas and somebody else, but written by a third person. And I wouldn't say this is where we ended up with, you know, too many chefs, uh, you know, in the kitchen. But, uh, Mm -hmm. but I did, I did look for that this time. I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to see how many people actually wrote this. And it is only credited to one person who wrote it, but then Lucas and somebody else wrote the screenplay. So we've already talked about this movie being super convoluted and it hops all over the place from a warehouse where he's fighting Russians. Um, and, and you know what? And that's another thing I didn't like is this movie didn't start with, a sub Indiana Jones adventure like Raiders starts off with the whole looking for the idol, which the idol had nothing Mm -hmm. to do with it, but it did introduce the villain Belloc, but in a very subtle, well done way. And then of course, Temple of Doom has the, uh, getting, uh, the ashes for Lao Mm Shea. Yep. And club Obi-Wan, that was its own little independent scene. The only thing that that really did was just set up that he was getting on Lao Shea's airplane and he was signaling to the pilots to, you know, dump them. And then of course, last crusade starts off with a young Indy, which then flash forwards to young or old Indy now taking on the same guy years later and again, this is where I think you see Indy's character, at least, you know, as a young man, and then even as the old, you know, Indiana Jones, we know the adult, where they're both like, this belongs in a museum. And, and that's where Temple of Doom sort of even stepped outside itself, because he seemed more like an archaeological bounty hunter going after things for profit. And then he wanted the stones for his fortune and glory. 
And it's like, well, the other two Indiana Jones we see, those guys are, uh, they're kind of in it for archaeological purposes. And then, and then Crystal Skull, I think, keeps us on a more uh, grounded, ethical Indiana Jones, if you would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would agree with that. So much more down to earth Indiana Jones who we never knew wanted to settle down at the end. <laughs> I'm I'm going to I don't want to talk about the ending yet. So let's let's keep going with you. So we saw the warehouse, we got shot out in a refrigerator. And and why was that necessary? Was that thrown in there because Indy met Hitler? in last crusade and it's like look indiana jones is historical he's he's moved through history you know and young indiana jones chronicles he was riding with teddy roosevelt and he was meeting this guy and that guy and and so was that supposed to be look he was there for a testing of the nuclear bomb but not the first nuclear yep. bomb because no, of course <laughs> he was just a random nuclear bomb mm-hmm. <laughs> so i don't know if that's just supposed to be a nod to that but then he's questioned about being a uh, a spy for the russians and the red scare and then he loses his job so like you mentioned in the other movies we meet these amazing secondary characters and unfortunately Mm -hmm. we meet in this one the most forgettable side character ever like basically we meet denholm elliott's replacement (laughs) <laughs> yeah. who's not in any of the other movies but yet indiana jones and in, you know as soon as he gets fired he's like ah i should have never doubted you old friend it's like who who wrote your lines you know right o- obi-wan well, kenobi <laughs> george george i know obviously george Lucas. <laughs> i know nobody says old friend I would call you an old friend after like many, many drinks just to be facetious and make you laugh about how bad Crystal Skull was. That's the only reason and I it would work. ever call you old friend. Ah, old friend. <laughs> it was great getting fired by you, old friend. So then uh, cut to plot convenience theater where I guess it's a good thing mm-hmm. that Indiana Jones takes a window seat on the train. So Mutt can ride up on a motorcycle and yell at him (laughs) right before the train leaves the station, right as the Russian agents are jumping on. Like, how did Mutt, if Mutt knew enough to get to him at the train station, he knew enough to get to him sooner. And I, now I'm just starting to get mad. (laughs) Well, let's, I'll take over from you for a minute here. (laughs) Why don't don't you take over before I have an aneurysm? Yeah, so you'll keep getting it. So Mutt Mutt shows up and gets him off the train, and they go to a cafe. For some reason, it's a cafe that has half greasers and half studious, uh, like both smart people and jocks. Like it's, I guess it's a trifecta, right? There's jocks there, there's people studying, and there's greasers. And of course, Mutt's a greaser. Indy is a professor. So. They, of course, look like they fit in, but two worlds are colliding. And that's the point of the scene. Two worlds are colliding. Two different generations. And we're seeing it play out on the big screen. These two generations coming together at odds, but we'll have to work together. It's just wonderful cinema. 
and <laughs> that was filmed on a soundstage. <laughs> on a soundstage. <laughs> that um, little rumble when they do the wide shot of that rumble. Oh gosh, I felt like I was watching something I would watch on a ride about how to make a movie. <laughs> That's it's funny you say that because I don't know if you knew this, but they were going to put that scene into the great movie ride. And then they opted not to <laughs> at, at Disney's Hollywood studios. And then they decided to get rid of great movie ride altogether. But I just wonder like if that's like Lucas's nods to American graffiti. Yeah. Between that and the beginning and the, you know, come on, let's race, let's race. And it's like, this is uh, stop with the, Sorry, Phil. The aneurysm's coming. I, I can feel your <laughs> your vein pulsing through the microphone, but it seems like and and now that we're talking about this more and more and we're uncovering more of these, it seems like George Lucas wrote this screenplay to, uh, I guess, call attention to all of his older work. Mm-hmm. There's really not a lot that's new or exciting in this movie. It's it's all stuff that we've seen before, and we've seen before better. Like you said, it's reminding us of old indie movies that are better, but it's not just that. It's reminding of old movies that are better. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that we got, you know, that Harrison Ford and Aaron Allen got, I guess, steamrolled into this with Steven Spielberg. <laughs> um, yeah. I wonder, too, if Harrison Ford didn't say, yeah, I'll do it, but it's all got to be on sound stages. You're not taking me to Cairo again. <laughs> you know what's funny is I could hear him saying that. <laughs> that's that's what I picture with this. It's like as long as it's temperature controlled. <laughs> um, so much the Russians come and they need to stop. You know, Indy and Mutt need to get away from the Russians so they can continue bickering about a woman that Indy doesn't know yet. And speaking of reminding us of other movies, the whole scene where Mutt is explaining who he is, what his name is, Mutt Williams, and my mom is Mary Williams. And Indy's like, oh, there are a lot of Marys out there, kid. And he gets all mad. And then he's like, oh, yeah, we. Uh, I was always hanging around with uh, Oxley. And, oh, Indiana Jones, really? Oxley? He's involved in this? It's reminding me of the whole Master Sifo-Dyas who's on first routine that we got in <laughs> Attack of the Clones. Like, who are these people? What are you yep. What are you talking Who's Oxley now? And who's this other guy? And who, who, why are we talking? Like, this is script writing 101. Why are we having characters talk about characters we haven't met? Oh my gosh, that 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 just boggled my mind when I started listening to that. And and then again, we're we're also now too, we're kind of getting rathaconned on this one. <laughs> Clearly his mom is Marion Ravenwood, but because of marriages and last names and shortening Marion to Mary, but we all know she's in it. Right. So why are we playing these games? And and I know why it's to further a very convoluted plot, mm-hmm. but yep, it it doesn't do anything for me. Nope, me neither. You know where I've been trying to get us to for about six minutes. Where Mutt stands up and starts a fight between the greasers and the jocks. Yes, <laughs> reminding us again of 
American Graffiti, reminding us again that greasers were a thing for about seven years. <laughs> and uh, Indian Mutt make their escape and have a ridiculous drive through a college in New Haven, Connecticut. And yeah. those those weren't actually filmed on sound stages. That's one of the scenes that was actually somewhere uh, with live sets. Yes. Because do you know why they filmed it in New Haven, Connecticut? I do not. Steven Spielberg's son was going to college there. So, of course, he scouted the college, got them to say yes. So he got to spend time with his son while he was filming this movie. And you know what? He probably had his, like assistant director film all of this and he just hung out with his son and that's why it looks the way it does and you know what good on that then because that is one of the actual actually most interesting parts of the movie was a real live chase with some pretty good stunt work um Mm -hmm. i was impressed with the crawling in and out of the car i mean way better than the cgi nonsense that we would get like an hour later where they're sword in the fighting. jungle, yeah, in the mm-hmm. jungle and stuff. At least this was where, where, where they're sword fighting, and he's getting hit in the junk with branches. Like, come on, right? Are, are, did I guess you know Lucas wrote the screenplay, but then was the writer that took it over and punched it up for filming? Was was he fifteen? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <sighs> and then and then after this big exciting chase, this is where the movie gets really boring. For like oh, 20 yeah. minutes. They, I'd say 35 to 40 minutes. We at least get Karen Allen to show up and try her darndest to do something with the script. Yeah. She's just, they, they make her a shell of the the Marion that we saw in the first movie. Well, he ran, he, according to the story, he ran out on their marriage like a week before they were supposed to get married, but she's still all moony eyed like instantly. Mm-hmm. Like, I I get maybe she doesn't hate him anymore because like Indy and then Indy's even like, I introduced you to Williams and it, it's like, he's like, Hey, that should have been me. Well, guess what? It could have been you, but you left. Why are you <laughs> mad about it? Right. And then he delivers a really, really good line. But I think in the context of their relationship, it's, it, it falls flat, but I do love when, she goes, you probably had other girls. And he goes, yeah, but they all had one problem. They weren't you. That works better if she left him. Right. Not the other way around. Oh, I'm still mooning over you, even though I left you. Like, again, mm-hmm. that's just convoluted writing. Mutt had a dad that we never meet because he died? Or they got a divorce? Does it matter? he's basically raised by oxley again and we don't even meet the real oxley till the end of the movie because his brain is screwed up uh you know i think that line would have hit better or maybe maybe it's supposed to hit the way that it does when indy says that to her because it's been almost 20 years and they're old you know Maybe they're at a point in their lives where bygones be bygones. You know, I left, but I realized that I was stupid for leaving. I mean, he never says that, but I realized I was stupid for leaving and no one could ever measure up to you. And I didn't know what I had until I left. But there's just too much going on. And Karen Allen, like you said, she gets all moony eyed at him. And it's it's like this movie actually takes place or, or the characters of Indy and Marion are only four years out of Raiders. 
not 19 years. Or actually, out of Raiders, it's 21 years. And that's exactly it, because I would completely agree with you. Like, the line hits the way it does because he did realize he made this mistake, but there's no... See, because, yes, because they're so far out of Raiders now. This isn't four years later. This is 19 years later. 21 years later. 21. So you can't, like, if he realized he made the mistake after two or three years, he should have, wouldn't he have gone back? But then you have to write in, oh, well, then you showed up, but I was already with this guy. And then it was too late then. Like, you at least need those lines to make it make sense but then you're adding more lines to things you never saw and you're getting the whole general sifidius backstory and you're trying to piece it together (laughs) and it's like wait a minute so indy ran out on the marriage and then two years later he went back but then marion didn't even say then oh by the way we can't be together but mutt's actually your kid it's like indy just kept hopping from woman to woman to woman going gosh this one isn't marion either (laughs) You know, what What makes it all the more bitter for me is that I I have to realize while I'm watching this movie that between 1936 of Raiders of the Lost Ark and 1938's uh, Last Crusade, that is where Mutt was conceived and born and Indy ran away, which makes the Indiana Jones and Last Crusade a lot more of a dick than we take him as when we see Last Crusade, when he's just an exciting character. Right. You know, I never thought about it that way because, yeah, you you just you're 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 not concerned. Like, where's Karen Allen? How come he's not with Marion? It's just like, oh, another indie adventure. But right. you're right. And the the thing that always threw me off, even when I th- you know when I think about this movie, I think about that. And I've only watched it twice, but I've thought about this movie a lot over the years. Anytime I revisit Indiana Jones, which I revisit Last Crusade and Raiders of the Lost Ark fairly often, at least once a year, I watch both of them at some point. And I always think about the whole quadrology of movies, and it always upsets me that the Last Crusade indie is a man who got a woman pregnant, didn't know it, but still got her pregnant, and ran away. But I love him in Last Crusade. And I think what makes it hard for me to always realize that and remember that is because there's that movie in the middle where he's with another woman, even though it happens the year before he's with Marion. That break in the movie continuity where you have to consciously tell yourself that Temple of Doom happened before Raiders. So Indy wasn't with Willie. He wasn't with Willie after Marion, he was with Willie before Marion. So it kind of, it throws it all out of whack in your head. So you don't really think about it. Right. But a few times when I think about these movies and it frustrates me thinking about Crystal Skull, that pops to my head and I'm like, man, I'd like Indy a lot less if I rem- if I knew this watching Last Crusade. Gosh, you're the same way. Now I watch Temple of Doom with the B movie in my head. I'm going to watch Last Crusade now going, oh, geez, Indy. What, what are you doing? <laughs> so you, you just yep. abandoned Marion at the altar, and now we're watching Playboy Indy? You know? Right. You and your dad just... Meeting <laughs> women? <laughs> the same woman. Yep. Rolling up with <laughs> her, 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 her grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So regardless, I mean, we're spending way too much time on this, but it's, it is, it is frustrating. And the fact that Karen Allen has to play this doe-eyed Marion half the movie, and then every once in a while she snaps out of it and remembers, oh, he left me and this kid's his son. And then, and then she snaps back into being in love. It's just a very weird way to play the character. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't work. Nope. It was a big miss. Indian Mutt do have a good Indiana Jones scene when they find the skull. There is that one sequence where they're going through the whatever cave or temple or whatever it is, and they find the guy who, the knight or whatever, conquistador, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah I conquistador. forget this movie. As soon as I turn it off, I forget most of it. But they find the conquistador's body and turns out that the the skull is behind it and like that is a that's an indiana jones sequence they're going through they need to figure out a couple different booby traps and it's fun now this what predates it with them fighting these guys that are like little they're also like monkeys climbing in and out of the temple and jumping and popping up at different spots and blowing darts at them like that's that's a little annoying it felt like hook Felt like scene from Hook. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Which is that Spielberg too? That's Spielberg. Yeah. Yeah, Spielberg too. Uh, but you're right. It does feel like a, a Hook sequence, just done a lot worse. But I did like the the way that Mutt and Indy found the skull. I will give it that. That felt like a very Indiana Jones sequence. I can agree with. Your logic, that you have logic. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. But I, I, I was already bored because they went to a monastery and then, and then they, they fought monkey things for a minute and Indy killed one. <laughs> yeah, we don't even know what did. these things are and he just <laughs> killed one. Are they protecting this from grave robbers and... You know, because Mutt even says that about him being a grave robber. And he even looks at Indy when he pulls out the knife. He's like, I'll put it back. And and it's like, okay, so he's got rules, but he just killed somebody. He <laughs> blew a poison dart back into its mouth. Yep. <laughs> and whatever it was. And 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 then the they're, they're in there so long and it's like, oh, it's two fo- sets of footprints. Oh, well, it's two people. Re- well, what if it was the same guy twice? Oh, so somebody, and then Indy's like basically talking out like what the audience is thinking. So somebody came in here and walked in here once and then came back again and then hid this or they didn't find what they were looking for. Well, what's going on? Oxley, what have you got yourself into? And we still haven't even met Oxley yet. (laughs) Well, the thing that I will say, you have to remember, Indy's probably 60 now and his mind is going. So he needs to say these things out loud. Yeah. I was I'm just ugh. kidding. No, you're right. You're right. Exposition for the point of exposition. Yeah. It just, it's always it's always worse when you write exposition into your character's dialogue when it's not needed. So Oh my gosh. I get it. Speaking of exposition, and I I don't know if this counts as exposition. I don't really care. I'm counting it as exposition. Mutt and his motorcycle. <laughs> they go out of their way to show him fly it there. And then he hides it when they get to the thing, and then when they get to the to the thing where Indy kills the monkey man, 
And then when they get to the, the, the Russian camp, Mutt has to give a line, they left my motorcycle. <laughs> Why did we yeah. waste time with this motorcycle? So, so, because I guess this is where the filmmakers were worried that we were going to wonder, how are they getting around? The continuity in the film just is out the window if we don't mention where the motorcycle is. Oh, man. And see, <laughs> if that's what the filmmakers were worried about, you know, the audience is going to be confused as to how they got here wondering about two sets of footprints and <laughs> if there's and, not a motorcycle, a motorcycle to have brought them here. So they eventually get into the jungle. And they're in two Jeeps. They get out from the Russians. They get away and take over a Jeep in a very um, Indiana Jones way, which I think that was that was a fun nod to how Indy used to be, how he climbed out of the top and came down and you heard the punch, mm -hmm. that good, that good old Indiana Jones punch sound. Yeah. You know, where it's like a, a punch and a slap at the same time. Yep. You do get that a lot in this film, and th there's points where you get it way too much, yep. where they overdo it, but that one, when he climbs over the top and punches the two Russians out of the Jeep yep. to, to take over the Jeep, I love those two. Again. It's probably the only time I'll use the word love in this film. Again, reminding us of better movies. Right. I'm going to get into the, the tangent now, where it is a MacGuffin game, where they're passing, it's a hot potato with this head. And you don't need to play hot potato with the head. That's not why we're in an Indiana Jones movie. No. We're not there to watch a literally more than 13-minute chase through the jungle. Yeah. We're not here for that. No. We're here for the, the, the booby traps. We're here for figuring out and being an explorer and being, you know, American James Bond. Like, we're here for that excitement. Yeah. Not here for mutt getting knocked off of the, the truck by a branch, getting somehow the branch that knocks him off, he then floats up 15 feet into the air and meets monkeys that somehow become his best friends. And they teach him how to swing. So he then starts swinging like Tarzan through the, the jungle. <laughs> and I, I, I will say that, so the, the Jeeps and the, the Jeep and the duck boat that are in this chase for the skull. They're going probably 30 miles an hour. I mean, they can't be going too fast because they're in a jungle, right? A very so maybe well 30, plowed jungle. Very well plowed jungle. 30, 40 miles an hour at the most, 40 miles an hour. There is no way Mutt would have been left behind, been able to see them around a corner, and been able to swing himself to catch up to them. Even if they were going 20 miles an hour. Phil, Even if they were going 20 miles an hour. 10 miles an hour. Nobody <laughs> can swing on vines at 10 miles an hour. It's that because that's the other thing. Where does he even get the momentum from the first vine? Are these <laughs> things all like stage set at a perfect, you know, 45 degree uh, pendulum well, so, angle? So and then they're yeah, all like, of course. Eric, right. you didn't you didn't see the the prequel to this movie where they they showed us it was a short film about the monkeys building their civilization in the jungle and how <laughs> they set all those vines up perfectly so they could swing and then they go and reset it every day. You missed that. It was a great like six minute short. Uh, I'll find it for you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and you know what? 
I will grant that monkeys can do it, and monkeys can probably do it fast, but see, monkeys are not doing it in these long, sweeping strides the way Shia LaBeouf was. A monkey is using his own strength and muscle to literally jump from vine to vine. Shia is doing it, yes, like Tarzan, which <laughs> everything has to be stage set by a union rigger before... <laughs> <laughs> you you mean stage set by Industrial Light and Magic? So he somehow makes it and kicks Kate Blanchett and knocks the the skull perfectly out of her hands. Then there's the sword fight, or the sword fight happens first. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's just so ridiculous because then they drive off into this pit and are then met with these seven inch long CGI ants, mm-hmm. which are real ants and they really live in South America, but. That was in the I, video. That was in that six-minute video too. Yeah, it was in six minutes. Yeah, the monkeys actually eat them. That's part of their diet. It's just so outlandishly stupid. Well, and then again, reminding us of better movies, Indy has to have a fist fight with the big Russian, but there's no stakes for this fight, really. Like, I mean, right. yeah. It's so we can it's really the fight is just so we can now move to the next scene. That's all that this fight is for. It's not like right. the fight in uh, Raiders where it's like he needs to steal this plane. So he has to stop this guy. It's not like the fight in Temple of Doom where he's got to fight this big guard so he can, you know, help all the children escape and, and save his friends. It's not even like the fight on the tank with the German soldier. You know, I got to stop this guy, you know, before the tank goes off the cliff and save my father. There's the only reason to have this fight is to because every other movie had a fight. Right. We just had to watch him do it. Right. And they were trying to really drive the point home that Oxley could control the ants with his mind. Um, And so... While Indy's fighting this guy, you're seeing Oxley move the the skull around so that the ants don't eat Indy. Oh, see, I thought I thought the skull itself was just emitting something that the ants didn't like, and that was as close as they were willing to get to it. Not that it was a mind thing, because Indy had the skull when he went up the hill to get his hat, mm-hmm. and the ants all moved away. Yeah, you're right. You're probably right. I think it was. It doesn't matter. No, it's, nothing's clear. Hey, man, I'm defending this movie now. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. And then we get another of the most ridiculous scenes. I mean, there's so many ridiculous scenes in the film, but oh, yeah. they drive the duck boat off a cliff and somehow perfectly land on a branch, and the branch brings them down perfectly to the to the water, and then they can just float away. And they can do a idea they had in Temple of Doom, but decided to go in a different direction. Yeah, because again, well, but but reminded not of even better movie. Not even hang on, not even jumping to that yet. They get off of that branch, and it swings back up like a cartoon and oh, slaps yeah. Wiley Coyote off the cliff. Just a couple Wiley Coyotes. It doesn't get the villain from Die Hard three. No, it doesn't. Anyway, so yeah, the. The, the plot device from Temple of Doom. Go for it. Oh, yeah. So Tell that, everybody about it. Right. So now instead of going down a big mountain, now we're going over the waterfalls just because. Because yep. this is what Indy has done before. But he's done it way better. Yep. 
So now we're to my favorite part of the movie, though, Phil, the genocide. <laughs> why we Everybody's do, favorite part. Why did we need to throw these in there? What sense was there to throw in this whole tribe of people just to have the Russians murder them all? Mm-hmm. We're, we're literally like 10 minutes from just wrapping this piece of garbage up. And then it's like, wait, 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 before we do that, we need to murder about 200 people. <laughs> Can we get it in there? You know, George George has a thing, though. George has a thing about it. He likes wiping out Padawans and tribes in South America. You remember Donovan? He, he had to wipe out all those natives before you went into the cave to get the Holy <laughs> Grail. Mm-hmm. Jeez. It's hard with this film to say the most ridiculous part is next when we've been through so many ridiculous parts. Yeah, I know. Because Mutt swinging on vines, it's like, I don't know how Indy can ever come back from that. Like, Indiana Jones 5 has to take me out to dinner, treat me really nice, and then lay my head down upon a silk pillow before having its way with me to really make me appreciate Indiana Jones again after what they did with Mutt swinging on those vines. Now you're getting into ruin my childhood territory. I'm I'm getting there. I'm I'm getting real close uh, because the very next scene took Indiana Jones in the most ridiculous direction, even in a film as I've already said of ridiculous directions. Yeah, they go in this temple and they find all of these old, like thousands of year old mummies or bones of aliens, of actual aliens. And although Indy and Kate Blanchett's character and Mutt and Oxley, none of them ever said this was an alien skull. They thought it was a, they thought it was a crystal that was made to look like the way that the, the tribe used to shape their skulls. Yeah. So they didn't know it was an alien, which I'll give them that. Yeah. But now they're in this room and they put the skull there and it somehow magnetically attracts itself back to the body and they all start moving again. Somehow the consciousness has now reset and this hive mind of aliens are alive again somehow for some reason. And they, Kate Blanchett, her character wants all of the knowledge in the universe. And so the aliens give her that for giving him his head back. Mm-hmm. But in, instead of just giving the knowledge in the universe, they somehow transport all of the bad guys, not any of the good guys, obviously, but all of the bad guys to another dimension. And then the spaceship that they're on, that this temple is built on, comes out of the ground and, and disappears into the other dimension or takes off, or it's kind of unclear. But uh, this... All of this that I've just described has no place in an Indiana Jones film. No. And what they're doing is once again reminding us that Steven Spielberg has made two other alien movies that are two of the best movies ever made. And this can't even hold a a birthday candle to Close Encounters and E.T. Wow, a birthday candle. The smallest possible candle there is. Well, you know what? I should have said a tea light because that's even smaller. Oh, you're right. Can't even hold a tea light to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I 
just overthinking it for overthinking its sake. How did that head even get taken out of there? Who went in there and popped it off of there? One of the conquistadors at a certain yeah, that, time? Yeah, that one conquistador that they were but how following did, how and, did they he, and then did he reset the temple? Because they had to hit stones off of yeah. there so sand could fall so the thing could drop. Then what did he take the head and then reset the temple before he left? Well, I think I think what they they either alluded to or they did say that the tribe is protecting the temple. So my guess would be that over seven hundred years or however many hundreds of years, six hundred years, the tribe reset the temple. That intricate stairway and everything. I don't know. Man. All you had to do is prop those four stones back up. <laughs> And then that, or, or prop them down, right? Because they went up and then went down into the temple, right? So they just had to pull those stones back up somehow and bring them back down, and then they could take all the sand out. And then that, I don't know, that would reset. See, that's the thing. That's just my kind of my point that I'm ultimately getting at is that the traps made no sense because every other Indiana Jones movie, it's a one-time use only trap. And then mm-hmm. it's done. Right. And then once it's done, it's done. And, and there's no, but this one, somebody had to get through all of that, get the skull and then leave and then reset mm-hmm. it all. Yep. That that's, that's ridiculous. Cause even if you want to argue in Raiders of the Lost Ark, well, the idol at the very beginning, that's sitting on the pillar all the way in the center. How did that get set up? Sure. I don't know either. Right. That, you could argue that's just as ludicrous, but that was the fun little teaser to show you that Indy knows how to do this stuff. This isn't the climax of the movie where you're like, wait a minute, who, who came in here and stole the skull for what reason and didn't take any of the other treasure for what reason again? I don't understand why anybody did any of this. Yep. Agreed. It's so painful. So, Phil. Yeah. Did it ruin <laughs> your childhood? Hey, I usually ask you that. This has been the film, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, is the film that has come the closest in, in the films we've talked about to ruining my childhood. We'll probably get to before the year is over, the year of 2020 is over, which 2020 would be the year that would ruin my childhood, but we'll probably get to a film that is right at that tipping point. This didn't ruin my childhood, but it made me rethink a lot that I thought I knew in my childhood. Hmm. Does that make sense? I've already talked about how Last Crusade, you have to look at Indy through a different lens in The Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. It's that type of thing that th- this movie, making me have to think about one of my favorite movies of the 90s, of, you know, it came out in the end of 80s, but I saw it in the 90s. One of my favorite movies of the 90s and probably in my top 25 of all time, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, this movie had the audacity to make me rethink my love of that character from a movie that I held so dear. So it came real close to ruining my childhood. Closest of any other movie out there, except for one that we're going to talk about in a couple months. Yeah, and it might be splitting hairs, and we might be finding shades of gray here, but it did not ruin my childhood it did not ruin the first three movies for me um it does now and you brought up the point which then you know is the crystal skull's fault but 
I, I will have to rethink the next time I watch Last Crusade and think right now, Indy just left Marion and she's pregnant and he doesn't know that, but he's on his adventure and he's meeting all these other girls that aren't Marion, but he's not going back to Marion. And it's going to be like, wow, what, what am I watching right now? Yep. Yep. It's going to make me think about that. So, and it's mm -hmm. not, it's not going to ruin the movie for me because I am probably only going to watch last crusade with that in my head once and then forget it the same way I forgot crystal skull. <laughs> but well done. I wonder though, if it's, it's gone as far as any movie could possibly go for maybe it's not the right word discrediting a franchise because like you said five has to come after this mm -hmm. what's five five is just going to have to pretend this didn't happen well they've already said that shia labeouf is not in it which you know i honestly i could i could take him again shia is not a bad actor no he was just given a bad script and bad things to do in this movie I think he was fine, actually. Yeah, and he he was showing his street smarts. He was showing that he could he could have been a worthy successor to Indiana Jones. And if they had just you know, I wouldn't have wanted to see a Mutt Jones movie, but I would have liked to see Indian Mutt a little bit older, traveling together as a family. I would have liked to see that. Right. But they're not going to give us that. Because this movie did so poorly. I'd even take like a uh, another like Last Crusade faker out, right? Even have LaBeouf just show up for the beginning adventure, you know, the 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 non sequitur beginning. And like he turns around and you think you're watching Indy, but it's like, oh, it's Shia. And he does have the hat, but maybe it's mm -hmm. not exactly the hat or maybe it's not exactly just the same way it was like in uh, Last Crusade, even though it was ultimately the hat. But you get my meaning. Right. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, and then maybe he has to go see his dad about something. And then, you know, maybe it then can transfer to Indiana Jones or doing his thing. And maybe Mutt goes off on his own adventure and maybe shows up at the three quarter point of the movie again. And then they finish off together. But largely Indiana Jones needs to go do his sleuthing, you know, by himself because partnering him up with too many people. You know, that's why Raiders was was awesome. He had some friends, but he did a lot of crap by himself. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't need somebody to talk things out with. And, right. and Last Crusade, he had people to talk to. So, yeah. Ruin the Childhood? No. But my gosh. I, I Tarnish the franchise. Even worse than the prequels. Mm -hmm. I'd agree with that. There are things in each of the prequels that I can love. There's really nothing in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that I can love. I mean, I know yeah. I said I love the punch sound. <laughs> right, but the punch sound... But like sound, you said, that just reminded me of the old movies, so... The pun right, that's More not nostalgia love. than love. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Hey, but, Eric, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at Eric underscore Wilinski. And you can find me at Phil Demo on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, F-I-L-D-I-M-O. And I was recently on an episode of Real Fans for Real Movies where we discussed and looked back at Edward Scissorhands. 30 years ago, this amazing magical movie came out and we, uh, we talked for a good two hours about it. Hopefully we can look forward to Indiana Jones 5, whatever it gets subtitled, sometime in 2022-2023. And hopefully it will redeem some of what we watched here. But we hope our talk about it 
didn't ruin your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. You all right, kid? I left my bike at the cemetery. Yeah, but you're all right? I left my bike. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Stop, 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 stop. I'm ready. Don't give these pigs a thing. You heard him. Hmm. Clearly, I have chosen the wrong pressure point. Perhaps I can find a more sensitive one. Prividiti, gentlemen. Get your hands off me, you rotten, rusky son of a bitch! Indiana Jones. <laughs> About time you showed up. Mom! Sweetheart. Mom. What are you doing here? Well, forget about me. Are you all right? No, Mom. man, I specifically told you not no, you didn't. to come Marian here yourself. Your you never wrote that? Mother. You never said that in any phone calls? Marion Ravenwood is your mother. Oh, for God's sake, Indy, it's not that hard. Uh, no, I mean, I just, I, yeah, I never thought that you... I would have a life after you left. That's not what I meant. What I, I meant. A damn good life. Well, that's fine. It's a just... damn good, really good life. Well, so have I. Yeah? You still leaving a trail of human wreckage, or have you retired? Why, you looking for a date? With anybody but you. So, Dr. Jones, you will help us. Simple yes will do. Oh, Marion, you had to go and get yourself kidnapped. Not like you did any better. Same old, same old. But then he's getting questioned about being a Russian spy in Red Square um, by the janitor and some other guy. And why? I mean, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> not literally the janitor the guy who played janitor on scrubs yeah oh okay right. i thought you oh, yeah. i thought yeah, you were yeah, talking about you. that all right that's okay never mind i'm well you know i'm sorry because i'm i'm also reading about the cgi and i just got off on a tangent of something i hadn't seen before and it's just frustrating me so i'm sorry go back with the joke and i'll laugh at it no you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> i just expected you to like chuckle like oh yeah janitor was in it yeah uh it is it is good that noah or whatever his name is in real life i think it's noel or noah he he actually got a part in an indiana jones movie so that's always on his resume mm -hmm. it's just unfortunate that it's this movie mm -hmm. uh here I'll, I'll go back not not for you to laugh at the joke but just just to clean it up for you in the edit oh i'm gonna laugh so hard well i'm not gonna say it this time i'm just gonna skip <laughs> over it this is definitely going at the end. 